the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We must face those shortcomings. We must learn how to stand against those things that confront us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 5 and 6. And I entitled this message, Being Denied. Have you ever been denied? Have you ever been refused, uh, turned down, uh, rejected, uh, declined for something? Uh, Of course you have. I think we all have. In fact, some, uh, you might say, it's just part of my life, Pastor. I'm just always getting kicked to the curb. But maybe you were denied uh, a job promotion or that you thought was yours, or maybe you applied for a loan and they said, ah, denied, or maybe you wanted to go to a particular school and they rejected your application. Hey, enough of all these miserable memories here of being turned down and denied. We could get all depressed here on Sunday morning. We don't want that. But the fact is, none of us like losing by a point, uh, being turned down for something that we were looking forward to or not getting what we wanted for Christmas. But one of the many facts of this life is exactly what the Rolling Stones have been singing for decades. You can't always get what you want. That's what they say. And that will always be true on this side of heaven. But if we are willing to allow God's will to unfold in our lives, we could do something in this life that can last for eternity. I mean, think about it. In this life, nothing lasts, right? We buy a new car. We love it. We take care of it. Some people name their cars. Oh, this is my baby here. But after a while, a few parking door dents, you know, a burrito that fell out of your hand and you still haven't found that burrito, but anyway, maybe one of your kids gets sick in the back seat. It's like, oh, well, there's a new car smell. That's gone now forever, uh, you know. But all of these things, you know, after 100,000 miles, we want that piece of junk out of here. We want a new car. You know, everything wears out. Our clothes wear out. Our shoes wear out. Appliances wear out. Kids grow up and they leave home. But everything we do for the Lord is eternal. When we invest in those around us with the message, the life-saving message of the cross, that message of hope and forgiveness, that message can and does change people's eternal destiny of those that we talk to about it. We should all really consider this since we are living in such difficult times. Well, we are going to continue with our study through the book of Exodus. We left off last time, as you remember, with Moses as a resistant servant. Yes, he ended up 
returning to Egypt, the place that he had fled from 40 years earlier. We saw how many times when we flee difficult situations, because many times this can happen with us too, you know, when we go on the run from some area that we don't want to deal with, that we have, you know, to go back and have to deal with those areas before we can move on. Because many times God would cause those same hardships to return over and over again. But why? Because we cannot run from the areas of hardships that around us. God wants us to face those things. We must face those weaknesses. We must face those shortcomings. We must learn how to stand against those things that confront us in the areas that we don't want to deal with, including those areas inside our own sinful and selfish flesh. Yes, God wanted Moses to literally return to the place where he had fled 40 years earlier. You know, Moses didn't want to be God's spokesman. We looked at that in detail the last time. Moses tried to worm his way out of God's perfect plan. Yet God was not letting Moses off the hook. He even gave Moses a little bag of miracles that he could use to show Pharaoh that he was truly sent from God. That was, again, the staff that he could throw on the ground. It would turn into a snake, and he could grab it by its tail, and it would turn back into a staff. His hand, that would be fine, and put it inside of his coat and bring it back out. It'd be all leprous, and then he could put it back in, and it'd be fine again. And then he'd even have the ability of turning the Nile River water into blood. That's a pretty cool little bag of miracles that you have. But yes, even though Moses had five major excuses on not to go, God is, well, pretty persistent when he wants something. It's like he makes it pretty tough on us if we don't want to do what he wants us to do. And the one verse that we should all mark in our Bibles, and more importantly, in our very hearts, is what God told Moses when Moses said he couldn't speak. Because I think we all say this too at times. You know, God wants us to speak to someone like, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. And, well, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I, well, what if they ask me something and I'm not sure? I don't know, Lord. I just don't want to say anything here. And that's when God told Moses in Exodus 4.11, he says, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Have I not spoken here? Now then go, and I, even I, I will be with your mouth, and I will give you what you're so supposed to speak here. It's like, like, stop worming out here. Just go and do what I want you to do. And look, it always happens when you're not anticipating it. it. You know, it's never those days when, yes, I got up and I read my Bible and, yes, I'm just, I'm like a V8 running on 12 cylinders. Just, just let me have someone. No, it never happens in those days. It happens in those days that you feel like a total vegetable. I've shared this before, but I was on this job site and I was starving and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, it's like, I don't have any money. It's like, don't you hate that? It's just a bad combo. Starvation no money. Okay. So I remember going through my pocket. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm looking through my van. I found a couple quarters on the floor. I'm like, yes. So I ended up with like a buck, you know, and McDonald's had their cheeseburgers on sale for 89 cents. I go, I can cover tax and I can get one cheeseburger. Yes. You know, so I had never been to this job site before. It's like in Bellflower. And so I, you know, I get in my van and I'm, I'm cruising out of the job site and the superintendent's like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to go get a burger. He goes, well, let me go to lunch with you. And I'm like, 
okay, you know, I mean, it's like, I've never been on this job site before, like, this, this never happens, like, you don't just show up to this big job site, and the superintendent's like, well, I'm going to go to lunch with you, you know, it's like, who the heck, what's going on, so you already know something's weird here, you know, so he jumps in, and he goes, so where are we going, and I'm like, well, I was just going to go to McDonald's, he goes, that's dog food, I go, true, yeah. <laughs> But I didn't want to, you know, like tell him like, you know, well, I've I got like 93 cents, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, you know, and he goes, nah, let's go somewhere else. And I'm like, hey, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I've got like a dollar, you know. And he goes, well, I'll buy lunch. I'm like, I love you. Okay. <laughs> so, so he goes, I go, well, where do you want to go? And he goes, let's go to Block Angers. You're my best friend right now, you know. So we're going to Block You know, I'm just thinking to myself, what is the chance of this happening? Okay, like, like you already know something is weird here, but you just don't, you can't put your finger on it, you know? So, so we're sitting in the, in the restaurant, and I, you know, I don't want to take advantage of this guy, so I'm looking in the bottom right-hand corner at the baby burger, you know? The waitress is like, what would you like? I'm like, yeah, I'll have the baby burger, you know, the one here, you know? And, and, and he lowers his menu, and he goes, if you don't get prime rib, I'll be completely just offended. Well, I don't want to offend anybody here, you know, so all of a sudden I'm ordering prime rib, baked potato, the whole day. I'm just thinking like, this is like, what is going on here? So anyway, we get done ordering and, <coughs> excuse me. So I'm like, uh, he goes, uh, he goes, man, I am so happy. I go, why are you so happy? He goes, because get this. <laughs> he goes, me and my girlfriend, we have the same last name. We're not married, but we went to go get car insurance, and the people thought we're married. So we've got the car insurance rates for a married couple, but we're not married. And I'm just like, that's nice. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit's like, tell him that I know he's not married. And I'm like, yeah, can I say that after the primary, you know? And I'm just sitting there thinking like, you know, and I'm just like, okay, that's it. We can kiss that prime rib goodbye. And I said, well, hey, I just want you to know something. I'm a born again Christian. And I don't know if that means anything to you or not, but it's just, I have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit of God is telling me right now to tell you that you're living in absolute sin and that God knows about it and that you're going to stand before him in judgment one day. And I'm like, you know, and, uh, and he's like, really? And we just, for that entire lunch, just, I shared Christ with him, poured into that man, and he's never heard the gospel before. He didn't give his life to Christ, but he was like, man, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I mean, I'd never seen that guy again, never went to that job site again. But that prime rib is good. But anyway, <laughs> but the, you know, the point is that God will be with you. He'll give you what you are to speak. You know, I love that verse in Ezekiel 2, 7. It says, but you, who? The believer. You shall speak my words to them. Who's them? That's everyone who doesn't know God. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for there are rebellious people. We live in a world that's just in total rebellion. We live in a world that's completely turned upside down. We need to be the voice of reason. It's like we have to be someone that speaks truth here in this world that has lost its mind. Amen. 
God had to give weak and feeble Moses his brother Aaron as a mouthpiece. Remember, we looked at that last time. And that's where we left off, with Moses and Aaron letting the people know that God had not forgotten them and that he was going to deliver them from their bondage in Egypt, which caused God's people, this is where we absolutely ended last week, to fall down and worship the Lord. They rejoiced in the fact that God had not only seen their hardship, but he had sent them a deliverer to set them free from their slavery. Yes, again, we have the very same call of God in our lives here today that God had given to Moses. For we are to be the voice of the very same God that spoke to Moses, to bring the message of salvation to a people that's lost in bondage and slavery to sin, to a place where they can find forgiveness and hope. And boy, I'll tell you, if there's any place that needs hope, is this United States now, as we're seeing police officers killed. It's ridiculous what's happening in the world right now. Yes, we can learn valuable principles and lessons in serving God as we go through this book of Exodus here. Now, some of you might think, well, this is America, and slavery was outlawed here in America some 150 years ago. Yet Jesus said in John 8:34. He said, truly, truly, or verily, verily. It's like, hey, listen up here. Jesus said, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Maybe you find yourself where it's like, oh, you came to know Christ as your Savior, and you were all set free, but maybe it's been a few years, and maybe you're starting to dabble back with those things that once held you in bondage. And you're going back and you're playing with those same things. See, Paul points out in Galatians 5, 1, he says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Like, don't go put yourself under a yoke of slavery again. We were set free from those things. Why are you going back and messing with the things? You're looking at things. You're doing things that once held you in bondage and left you filled with guilt and shame. It's like, if you're messing with that, he says, stop doing that. It's like you're putting a yoke back on yourself. See, slavery here is obviously a reference to sin. Living a lifestyle that embraces the lust of our own flesh. It's when our own carnal passions totally disregard God's purpose and plan for us. So Paul said that we should never again be so subject to the yoke of slavery. That term yoke was a device laid on the shoulders of a defeated person. It was to imprison them. It was was an oppressive device that controlled them. When a yoke is put on an animal, you know, there are animals made to do something he doesn't want to do. Like you put a yoke on, a, on an oxen to go out there and do what? Plow the field. You think that oxen wants you to just go, yeah, let me get up and go plow your field for you. He doesn't want to do that, but the yoke makes him do what he doesn't want to do. Well, in the same way, when we fall prey to sin or we go back into some sin area that we had once been delivered from, when we know that something is wrong, yet we keep doing what we do not want to do, we become its slave all over again. I wonder if there's anyone here today that struggling with something, something that you came out of, something that you were set free from, and now you're struggling in it once again. 
I'm reminded of that struggle. It's in Galatians 5.17. He says, for the flesh sets his desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These two are working in opposition to one another. So you may not do the things that you want to do. So he's like saying there's like a civil war going on inside of me. You know, I, I don't want to do this thing, but yet I'm doing this thing. And it's just like, and, and it's a struggle inside. You know, anyone who's honest will admit that they know all about this particular struggle. Maybe you're struggling with an area right now. Again, maybe you even, you know, consider not even coming to church today simply because you feel like a hypocrite for living in sin. Well, I just want you to know that I'm glad that you came today. Not, I'm not glad that you're struggling with sin, but I'm glad that you came to church. And I want you to know that God has a good place for you. He wants to deliver you from that area. He doesn't want you to continue to live in that sin, but rather that you can be encouraged to stand against it, to receive power, you know, from his word, to come up to one of our pastors and, and pray and let them encourage you so that you can come out of here with some, some kind of like ability to saying, yes, I'm going to walk with the Lord here today. You know, sometimes we get all caught up like, man, I don't know how I'm going to walk the rest of this year. Hey, forget the rest of 2022. Yeah, just get through today. Get through today, okay? And then tomorrow, deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes, you know, it was the Apostle Paul that he struggled. He struggled. He knew what that civil war was inside of him. That's why he said in Romans seven nineteen, he says, for the good thing that I wish to do, I don't do those things, but I practice the very evil that is within me, the thing that I hate. It's like, oh my goodness, he says, oh wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of sin and death? So, so the apostle Paul knew exactly that feeling of like, man, the thing that I want to do, I don't do that thing. The thing that I know I should do, that's not the thing that I do. He says, oh, I'm just a wretched man at times. But he goes on, who's going to deliver me? Paul was so discouraged in his own failure, he called himself wretched, meaning I have become nothing more than a miserable, broken-hearted, pitiful, dejected man. And that's when he cried out, who will set me free from this body of sin and death? But that's when he went on to say in Romans 7.25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he goes on in chapter 8. You have to remember, Romans didn't have any chapter breaks in it. It was just a continuous thought. But when you go into Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it's just a continuous thought from what he was saying at the end of Romans chapter 7. And he says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, period. See, I've come to know Christ. He's not going to give up on me just because I had a bad week, a bad month, a bad last six months. It's like he's not going to give up on me. Jesus broke the back of sin at the cross. And God has given to us the Holy Spirit and his power to become overcomers of sin. We are no longer slaves to that which has called us into bondage. We're no longer slaves. So that's why whenever you think, man, I can't go to church. I feel like a hypocrite. No, you go to church because that's where you need to be. That's where you need to hear the truth of God's word. Know this, our journey with Christ, it's a lifelong process. Maybe you're in a little valley right now, but it's a lifelong process. 
from the day we give our lives to Jesus until the day that we will look at him eye to eye. Don't ever, ever give up on your faith. Hang in there. Jesus will never give up on you. He said he will never leave you or forsake you. So let's look at our point. Who is the Lord? As we read together here in Exodus chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, and afterwards Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. Now, let's just say here, you know, Moses is talking about going out in the wilderness for like three days and God never talked about that. No, God said, no, we're leaving here. We ain't ever coming back. Okay. It's like, so I don't know if he's just kind of compromising a little bit to try to make it not sound as bad to Pharaoh. You know, I don't know, but that was never God's plan. God's plan was, no, we're out of here. See ya. Okay. Never coming back. Verse two. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice, you know, to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, this is Moses and Aaron, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days, you know, journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. It's like, again, God never said, hey, hey, I'm going for three days and like we're coming back. No, we ain't ever coming back. So I don't know why Moses threw that in there. Anyway, verse four, but the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Okay, because they're slaves and they're making bricks and all this stuff. Get back to your labors. Verse five, again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many and you know, you would have them cease from their labors. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Uh, Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of the bricks, which they are, uh, were making previously, uh, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. So, you know, here's, you know, Pharaoh's just mocking Moses. He's mocking Aaron. He's mocking God's people. And most importantly, he's mocking God. Well, it all seems so easy though, didn't it? To Moses at first, go tell Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, let my people go and everything's going to be fine. But what Pharaoh said was, uh, excuse me, who's the Lord? Uh, I'm not listening to him. I'm not letting my slaves go anywhere. What rhymes with yo and starts with in, like not going to happen. Again, this arrogant world leader replies to Moses, who is the Lord that I would obey his voice? Pharaoh was probably thinking, doesn't he know who I am? I am the world governing leader of the world here. Yes, people feel entitled when they use that line. Yes, this arrogant world leader was having no part of loving God's people go. So with a resounding no, he responds to Moses. But again, he asks the question, who is the Lord? Well, he was going to find out firsthand. Trust me. Oh, you're going to know exactly who he is. 
and who the Lord was. First of all, the Lord is the creator of all things, seen and unseen. How about that? He's the great I am. He is the creator of life itself. He is the reason that our Hearts are beating in our chest with no batteries right now. He's the one who causes the sun to rise up in the morning. He's the one that causes the sun to set at night. You know, really, Pharaoh was mocking Moses for he had allowed himself through his own pride and arrogance to blind himself of anything other than himself. Because, you know, these pharaohs, they thought that they were gods. And so they had people around, oh, you're a god. Oh, you're a god. And it's like they started believing what their own people around them would say to them. Like, you're not the god of this world here. You're just a man, and you have blown it here. Yes, in total faith and boldness, Moses and Aaron tell Pharaoh that it was the God of the Hebrews that sent them. Then they tell Pharaoh that they were going to go three days journey to go worship the Lord again. They obviously were not planning on coming back, but they added to Pharaoh, if you don't let them go in verse three, our God will fall on this place with pestilence and a sword. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.